Welcome or welcome back, podcast tours. We are so glad that you're here. And before we get started, I just want to say that you guys fucking did it, man. (laughs) Our Instagram blew up. Our views or whatever, ratings blew up. You guys did it. And we're so fortunate that you are our fan base. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome to those just tuning in. We hope you like us. Yeah, stick around. Give us five stars or however many stars. Preferably five, obviously. But (laughs) five and five, you choose. Yeah. I'm Mariah. And I'm Kayla. And this week we are doing Duo Killers. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. Who's first? I forgot. Is it me? Uh, I think it is me because you did the swap. Well, we, we split it. We split the last few. Yeah, but I think yours came out last, so I'll go first. Right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, so, Duo Killers. Kayla, have you ever read or heard of the book In Cold Blood by Truman Capote? Capote? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. I'm just going to shut it. (laughs) Just die of heat exhaustion. So, In Cold Blood tells the true story of the murder of the Clutter family in a small farming community in Holcomb, Kansas in 1959. The Clutter family? The Clutter family. Clutter? Just for reference, Truman is like a super successful author and his works include Breakfast at Tiffany's, Other Voices, and The Grass Harp. Oh. Yeah, so he's, he's fucking doing it. And when he learned that the killers of this family were, like, captured, he traveled to Kansas to write about the crime, and he ultimately spent six weeks working on this book. And his best friend, Harper Lee, came with Mm -hmm, him, mm -hmm. who just so happens to be the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. Kill a Mockingbird, yep. Um, And a prequel. Yeah. So, In Cold Blood is, like... Like I said, obviously it's the murder of an entire family, and it's really fucked up, and it took an incredible toll on him, so much so that he never published a single book after this one, and this one is said to have been, like, his undoing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. We're buckle in for a up. treat. <laughs> <laughs> buckle up. Eat your applesauce like Kayla. Let's go. It's a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> I always drink my applesauce in those things. They're good. So, Richard Hickok was born on June 6, 1931, in Kansas City, Kansas. His friends described him as a popular student and an athlete throughout his time in high school. But all that changed in 1950 when he suffered from a serious car accident that left his face disfigured. And I couldn't figure out, like, how it was disfigured or what happened, but apparently that was, like, his turning point. But, like, how disfigured. Yeah, I know. I couldn't find that. Like, how or where. Because if you get, like, the tiniest thing on your face, people say that your face is disfigured, which I don't really agree with. In the photos, he doesn't look, like, drastically disfigured, but, you know, photo quality is pretty poor during this time, so who knows how it was. I'm sure, like, if I was in a car accident and something happened to my face, I wouldn't be too happy about it, but I need to know the degree of disfigurement. Um, He wanted to attend college, however, his parents, just like most people during this time, were farm workers, and they couldn't afford to send him to college. Mm -hmm. And so at the age of 16, he got his first ever job at the Santa Fe Railroad Company, and he later went on to hold multiple different jobs, so an, an ambulance driver, a car painter, and eventually a mechanic at the Mark Buick Company. Those are decent jobs. I know, yeah. Nothing to scoff at. When he was 19, he married a woman named Carol Bryan, who was just 16. Okay. Gross. Okay. It's only a three-year difference, but, like, she's 16. And he's almost 20. Mm -hmm. I feel like the life differences are drastic between those three. Yeah, from 16 to almost 20, like, you're... you're A whole new person? The gap there. Uh, So they had three children together, but Richard was known to cheat, and he cheated often. Wow. Hmm. What a thought. (laughs) He impregnated his mistress, Margaret Edna, which caused him and Carol to divorce. And Richard went on to marry Margaret and eventually lost his job at Buick. Hmm. 
So he's like singing. Right yeah, now. way out there. Yeah, he just needs to fucking relax. So to make ends meet, he became a petty criminal and he would do um, pass bad checks, burglary, um, which is actually what got him arrested in 1958 and he was sentenced to five years in the Kansas State Penitentiary. And during that time, Margaret divorced him and he met Perry Smith. Did, did we ever think that maybe when we lost our job, we'd find a new job? Like, did he try <laughs> to get another job? He's had so much experience with good, like, decent jobs. He could easily get another one. Yeah, so and he, ver- he has skills, but... Either he lost know. his job because he did something stupid and people wouldn't hire him for it. Or what if we just stopped trying Well, that's what, that's what I probably think. He just, um... I mean, you'll see. Real stand-up dude. Yeah, he sounds like a... Deadbeat. Yeah. So, Perry Smith was born on October 27, 1920, in Huntington, Nevada. His parents were Tex Smith, who was an Irishman, and then Flo Buckskin, who was a Cherokee native. Her name is Flo. Yeah, Flo <laughs> Buckskin. Cute. It's very pretty. Um, both of his parents were rodeo performers, and they had four children together, two boys, one of which was obviously Perry, and two girls. In 1929, they moved to Alaska, where Tex, the father, made his living of distilling bootleg whiskey. But unfortunately, his dad was very abusive, and he was a raging alcoholic. So Flo took her children, and they moved to San Francisco, California. Um, Flo was actually also an alcoholic, and she (laughs) choked to death on her own vomit when Perry was only 13 years old, which is like... Fucking intense, dude. He and his siblings were then placed into the Catholic orphanage where Perry later claimed that he was abused there, both physically and emotionally, including one time where a worker attempted to drown him. Did we say Catholic? Yeah. Okay. Catholic orphanage. And they're mm-hmm. fucking trying to drown kids, dude. I don't think Catholics should have orphanages. I don't think they should be drowning babies. <laughs> <laughs> well... No, but there's a lot of cases of people just killing babies. Yeah. Yeah, especially what? in, what, the 29, like, 1920s? Yeah. There's a lot of baby farming cases there, too. Ugh. Well, not necessarily the, that location, but, like, around In the, the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, one of his brothers and one of his sisters, they both completed suicide at a young age, And then his only other remaining sibling, which was a sister, got married and broke off all contact with him. So he was just completely left alone. Well, he had a great family. (laughs) Yeah. Rough start, dude. But he also turned out to be a horrible person. And a lot of people with horrible beginnings don't murder families. So, like, no sympathy. Uh, yeah, I didn't think that made, like... <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you got from there to murdering a whole family, but <laughs> yeah. I feel uh, bad for your, like, beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for who you were, not the murderer. So at the age of 16, he joined the Merchant Marine. I have no idea what that is. Didn't even look it up, so... Uh, he know. later joined the Army, serving in the Korean War, where he earned a Bronze Star... He quickly gained a reputation for fighting with both civilians, soldiers, and Korean soldiers. And in 1952, he was discharged and went to work as a car painter in Tacoma, Washington. Was it honorable or? It was honorable. Okay, good. Yeah, don't know how I got that, but it was honorable. Well, a lot of pe- a lot of soldiers actually fight with civilians and other soldiers and whoever we're whatever country we're sitting in at the time. And still so. get honorable. Well, yeah. Because it's who they want in the service. Someone willing to fight at all times. <laughs> uh, he used his paycheck to actually buy a motorcycle in which the same year he got in a really bad car wreck. Basically almost died, barely survived. He spent six months recovering in a hospital and he had chronic leg pain. And so he had like a limp and he became addicted to aspirin, which I didn't even know you could become addicted to. But I guess like the well, 50s aspirin is a little bit different. Than pretty like, sure it had cocaine in it. Yeah, it's a little different than 2020 aspirin. So Yeah. 
Um, so in March of 1956, he was sentenced to um, prison after being found guilty of breaking and entering. And he was, lo and behold, sent to serve his prison time at Kansas State Penitentiary where he met our other guy, Richard Hickok. Okay. So the duo are in prison. They're BFFs. They meet this other guy named Floyd Wells, who was a former farmhand at the Clutter Farm. Um, this Floyd guy was also a dirtbag, though, and he was serving time for entering and breaking into a totally separate home. And so that's how he ended up there. So we have Floyd breaking and entering, Perry breaking and entering, and Richard? Yeah, Richard Hickok, yeah. Breaking and entering. Oh, all of them? Uh-huh, all of them. Ah. Well, right. burglary, but burglary is such a wide range yeah. of, like, you know, sentencing, so who knows. I mean, it's, what, the intent of entering a dwelling? Oh, no, it's entering a dwelling with the intent to commit a felony. So, yes, he probably was entering What if he was breaking. just going to take, like, a $40 watch? It's not a felony. You right? steal, it's burglary. It falls under burglary. But isn't there, like, a dollar amount that... No, it's... So, that's how they, like, lump it in is, like, oh, you broke into this person's home, burglary, because you're going to commit a crime or a what felony. What if you broke in to look at the interior design? You broke in, still a felony. Breaking and entering. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to get around this. <laughs> but Kayla does not want to break and enter. Like, I don't let's just know. make that clear. That's, okay. <laughs> Let me just tell you the easiest way to know that I'm not going to. That's too much energy. I have to leave my house and, that's and get a lot dressed of work. and that's do her hair. And that's a lot of work. <laughs> and drive, which Kayla never does. <laughs> nope, there's no gas in the car right now. <laughs> All right, so Floyd, because he was a former farm farmhand for the Clutters, starts, you know, talking, gossiping with Perry and Richard, and he tells them that the Clutter family were extremely rich, and they spent almost $10,000 a year on their farm. Did they? No. I mean, they were rich, no. but, like, it, they were also in debt because they have a fucking farm. Yeah. So their um, farm is doing well. Yeah, their farm is well. doing well, which looks like they're rich, but yeah. no. Yeah. Um, so Floyd actually lied, though, and said that they were so no. rich. Yeah, right? No. no. Someone in prison lying? Floyd no. would never. <laughs> but he told them that they kept, like, bundles of cash in the home. <laughs> what? Bro, really? Nobody does that. And y'all believed it? Nobody's <laughs> ever done that. All right, so moving on to the Clutter family. Herb, or Herb, whatever you say. Herb? We're calling yeah. him Herb. He's the father, and he was described as a hard worker and a strict but fair father and a faithful husband. I don't think I've ever known a bad Herb. I know, yeah. What's the one in the UFC, the ref, Herb Dean or whatever? I like him. No idea. No idea. Um, Herb also has a college degree. From Kansas State University in Agriculture, which is, like, dope as fuck for the 50s. That's just dope as fuck anyway. Yeah. So the mother of the family was named Bonnie, and she was described by Truman, who's, like, the book author, you know, as bedridden with severe depression since the birth of their youngest, which, like... postpartum. Yeah, exactly. She just pushed out a fucking baby. Give her a break, dude. Yeah. And so his I feel like description. You don't walk after that. Yeah, and his description made like a lot of people really, really mad. And they came out and said that like Bonnie wasn't like a fragile flower that depended on her husband, which is what he made it seem. She was actually like a really good mom, a really great human being. She was just struggling after pushing out fucking five kids or however many kids they have. Well, who would have guessed? Again. And she's a woman in like the 50s, dude. Come on. Come on. Well, they're all delicate flowers in the 50s, apparently. <laughs> um, so Herb and Bonnie had four children total, but only two were young and still living at home, and those two were named Nancy and Kenyon. So Nancy was 16 years old at the time of the murder, and she was described as the town darling. She was smart, beautiful, heavily involved in the community, was the class president, leader of the 4-H, and was, like, a really talented musician. So just, like, an all-around good woman, young woman with her future ahead of her. 
So Kenyon was a boy, and he was 15 years old at the time. He was kind of like a loner, and he only had one really good friend, but he was also like really, really smart, and he would build like his own electronics. So he would take away like things, take apart things on the farm, and like make something completely weird out of it. That's pretty cool. So like you know this kid, you know, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he's fucking smart. So, on July 6th, 1959, Perry Smith was paroled. And For what? Yeah. I don't know. For what? Time served, probably good behavior. Mm. But, so he was paroled, and he waited for Hickok to be paroled, which happened on August 13th. And this is when they met up, and they planned, like, they're going to go rob the clutters because they have all this money. Are you allowed to talk to other, like paroled inmates yeah i think you are on parole i think you are but i also i mean these dudes are like like how are they going to enforce it obviously yeah they're bad criminals i think that you yeah i don't know i think you can but who knows Eh, whatever um so on november 14th just a month after richard got out they began their drive to the clutter farm which was about 400 miles from where they were um so they gathered what they believed to be necessary materials, which included gloves, flashlight, a knife, and a shotgun. What are you planning to do? I thought they were just trying to rob them, but yeah. Anyway, so they arrived at the clutter farm, and they entered the home. So they began to search for the safe that they thought that would be there and like contain all this money. And when they realized there wasn't a safe, they woke up Herb. So, obviously startled and, like, scared, he gave them the little cash that he had, and he told them that there was, like, no more cash. Oh, also, by the way, um, I didn't write it down, but there was reports saying that, like, he never had cash on him, Mr. Clutter, and that he one time wrote a check for $1 for, like, a cup of coffee or some shit. Like, that's how much, like, he never had cash. So, this dude, Floyd, got no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) I, like, did he, I just don't understand, like, what Floyd was thinking. Yeah. So, Floyd has to have some kind of, like, vendetta against these guys. Yeah, that's possible. But he was just like, hey, I worked here, bro. Their farm's doing so good. You know they got some cash on them, and they didn't. Um, so, Perry and Richard, obviously upset, they awoke the remaining Clutter family members, which is the Nancy Kenyon and the mom. And they tied them all up in separate rooms, and they began to search the house. They gathered no more than $50, which in today's money is about 450 Okay. a pair of binoculars, and a radio. What do you need the binoculars for, dude? <laughs> They're fucking weird. And once they had what they considered to be valuable, they executed all four members of the Clutter family. Just a couple hours later, one of Nancy's friends arrived at the house to get her. The teen knocked on the door. He's, like, looking around. He goes in, sees the crime scene, leaves, and immediately calls the police. And according to the Garden City Police, at 10 a.m., an officer arrived, and they began to investigate. So Herb Clutter was found in the basement, sprawled out on a mattress, still in his pajamas. His hands were bound. His mouth was taped shut, and he'd suffered multiple stab wounds, had his throat slashed, and a gunshot wound to the head. In, like, the next room over, Kenyon Clutter was found on a couch. He, too, had been bound and gagged and died from a single gunshot wound to the head. In the upstairs part of the house, like, where you walk in at, the bodies of both Bonnie and Nancy were discovered in separate rooms. Just like everyone else, they had been shot in the head, but only Bonnie was found gagged. So Nancy, like, wasn't gagged. Okay, so every single person was shot in the head. The only person that had stab wounds was the dad. Yeah, and his Mm. throat had been cut. Yeah, so someone's mad about something. Yeah, not getting their money. And what do they do to the daughter? Um... So I wasn't quite sure if this was true because I read it in one report, but it... One of the men, Perry or Richard, was going to rape Nancy, 
And then apparently the other one, like, rape was too far, but slashing the throat of a grown man and shooting him in the head, and the same with the 15-year-old, wasn't too far. So that's just in one report. Yeah, but those are two drastic things. Yeah. Those are two. But still, I'm just like, oh, you... I think Floyd killed the dad. Oh, Floyd was still in prison. He wasn't out yet. Oh. So it's just Richard and Perry. And Floyd's so the one who gave him the talk. info. Yeah. And then why did... Okay, what? He just told I'm him. confused. What why? are you doing? Yeah, right? Apparently they thought they have money. <laughs> um, why wouldn't you wait for Floyd, though? Or why would you take the word of a convicted felon? Why would a convicted felon just give you all this cash? Like, what was his cut? Wait, he's not gonna, he's not just gonna give you this information so you can get whatever cash they have and then just fucking flee, dude. He's not gonna he's not gonna do that. And Maybe he was like just gossiping though. It, who knows? It no. was I don't think Floyd was no. like, Hey, go kill this family. No. It no, more no. so sounded like Floyd was like, Hey, I work for these people, like I know they're rich. Yeah, but why would he tell them that? Unless he's gonna get a cut. There's there's nothing in it for him. Well Floyd dies, so you'll see. Um, so the Garden City Police Department Chief Mitchell Geyser was one of the first officers to arrive on the scene, along with the Assistant Chief Rich Rodler. And so Rich was actually considered to be an expert photographer at this time, and like he was one of the first people on the scene, so he photographed the entire scene. That's good. Luckily, he got photos of a bloody footprint, which was left behind by one of the killers, and photos of the tire track. Um, so they ended up calling in, like, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, and the man named Alvin Dewey was the lead investigator for the case. And actually, it's really sad, but Alvin and Herb were, like, really good friends, and so Alvin was later quoted saying that this case was really personal for him, so, like, he wanted to catch him. Mm -hmm. Um, over 600 people attended the funeral of the Clutter family at the Valley View Cemetery, and despite... All of them being shot in the face. Their caskets were open with single, like, cotton coverings covering their faces. Okay. Who decided that? Yeah, I know. I'm like, that's pretty fucking intense. I mean, I guess that's, like, the best way to make people more emotional about it is to, like, show them what happened. That, too. And if they thought the killers would go to the funeral, like, maybe it would. Yeah, they'd have, like, a reaction. reaction. Yeah. So, immediately following the murders, um, Perry and Richard get the fuck out. So, Richard writes a series of hot checks, basically, in Kansas City. They then flee to Mexico for a short period of time. They come back to the U.S. They stay in Omaha, Nebraska. They go to Iowa, come back to Kansas City, Florida, and eventually they end up in Las Vegas, which is where they were caught. So during, like, this whole cross-country road trip, you know, the KBI had learned that Richard and Perry were likely the main suspects in the crime because Floyd Wells told them. You know shit! So Floyd comes (laughs) forward, he comes forward, he says that he told them that the Clutters were, you know, rich and that they had all this money because he wanted the ransom money being offered. And just a couple... Yeah, yeah, well, there's, like, ransom money to, like, catch the killers, you know? And then Floyd's like, oh, I know who it could be. These two. Because I told him. Okay, so he set them up. I don't, I wouldn't say that he he set them up, but he, but he definitely was like, oh, shit, the clutters died? Dude, I was just talking to these people. Let me get that ransom money. No, 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 no. But just, but just weeks later, Floyd actually died in a prison riot where he was trying to escape. So, you know, he got his. They're not gonna pay you. They're, they're not gonna pay you. Yeah. If you're in jail, which is why I don't they think pay you the ransom. Which is why I don't think that he set them up. I think that he was just like, oh shit, you know, I was just talking shit on this family. Now they're dead, dude. Nah, I don't think he's that stupid. I think he's smart. He set him up. Well, he died. So. Well, he died trying to escape. <laughs> so he must be that stupid. He must okay. be that stupid. Never mind. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, like I said, in Las Vegas, the men were finally captured on December 30th, 1959. Why would you go to Vegas? Yeah, I don't know. It's swarming um, with shit like that. 
they were caught at the post office where they were trying to pick up like um, a parcel or a box that they'd actually shipped from Mexico. And in the box were a pair of boots matching the bloody footprint found at the crime scene. Why don't you just leave them in Mexico? Yeah. Um, They were flown from Nevada to Garden City, Kansas, where Alvin, the KBI lead investigator, questioned him, and they quickly confessed to the murders, though Richard maintains that Perry killed the family. And Perry's like, nah, we both did, dude. Well, yeah, you have one person shooting them in the head and another person stabbing. Yeah, slitting the throat of somebody. two different modes. It's not going to be the same person. Probably. So... On March 29, 1960, a jury of all men returned a verdict of guilty for um, both Richard and Perry and recommended the death penalty. What? Yeah, all men. I mean, it's the 60s, so, you know, women are having babies or some shit. Working in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, so for the next five years, they both lived on death row at Leavenworth, Kansas. Yeah. Good luck with that one. So on April 14th, 1965, the two men were executed by hanging on the grounds of Leavenworth. The last words of Perry Smith were, quote, I think it's a hell of a thing that a life has to be taken in this manner. I say this especially because there's a great deal I could have offered society. I certainly think that capital punishment is legally and morally wrong. Any apology for what I've done would be meaningless at this time. I have zero animosities towards anyone involved in this matter. I think that's all. Like, bro, you murdered four people, including two children. (laughs) Yeah. Shut up. And you have the audacity to say capital punishment, which I agree, it is legally and morally wrong. But why'd you say it? Yeah. I agree, capital punishment shouldn't be a thing, but like, you killed four people. I don't think you get to determine what's legally and morally correct at this point, buddy. Sorry, see ya. So the last words of Richard were, no, I guess I don't. But then he motioned for Agent Roy, who was a KBI investigator, and he played like a major role in getting the men captured. He said, quote, you're sending me to a better place than this. He added that he did not bear any grudge against Church, um, Roy Church, for his role in the case. He then shook his hand and said goodbye. I wouldn't shake his hand as the investigator. No, like, what are you doing? I did my job, buddy. See ya. Perry Smith was 36 years old and Richard Hickok was 33 years old. Yeah. Goodbye. See ya. Yeah, so that's the murder of the Clutter family by duo killers Perry Smith and Richard Hickok, but... Before I wrap it up, I just wanted to, like, say that these murders definitely had an impact on the people who lived in this town. And, I mean, it was, like, a tiny farming community where everyone left their doors open, like, unlocked, windows just, you know, willy-nilly open. And I grew up, like, in a very similar town, and something like this would have completely changed how we lived our lives. So I wanted to read this firsthand account of just how drastically... These murders affected the community, and it was published in the New York Times in 1996 by a woman named Catherine Shattuck. So, quote, The day the clutters were found bound and gagged, throats slashed, bodies riddled with bullets, my father started keeping a gun in his desk drawer. By the time my sister and I were teenagers, he had moved it to the chest by his bed. When a lost traveler pounded on our door, in the blustery darkness, my father answered with his gun cradled by his side. We grew up with fear. It was inexplicable, this act of violence committed against decent, hardworking, church-going people. People just like us. People who were us. My father served with Herb Clutter on the Farm Bureau and Soil Conservation Service boards. My uncle's friendship with Mr. Clutter dated back to their college fraternity days. That Dick Hickok and Perry Smith could simply walk through an unlocked door and snuff out our lives seemed oddly surreal. Until that night, we were secure in our quiet corner of the world, untouched by the evil that surely bred on the soil of of distant metropolises. Blanketed by a sky of a million stars, Kansas was heaven, but there it was, hell, looking right at us. And that's the murder of the Clutter family. So sad. Well, that is just trash. Thanks for offering trash. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was like another one of those family annihilator cases, and I was like, oh, Kayla's not going to like this one. No, I don't like the family annihilator cases. 
You're ready for mine? Mm-hmm. I don't even know who you're doing. Oh, wait, you're doing, like, sisters, right? Mm-hmm. I am. So, I am going to do the Gonzalez Valenzuela sisters. Hmm. I've never heard of them. Mm. Okay, well, there were a total of four of the sisters. Um, their names are Maria Delfina Gonzalez Valenzuela, Maria del Carmen, I'm not going to say the last names anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Maria Luisa, and Maria de Jesus. Those are the four sisters. Okay. Lots of Marias. Yeah. So, Maria Delfina was born in 1912. Maria del Carmen was born in 1918. Maria Luisa was 1920. And Maria de Jesus was 1924. Hmm. So, apparently, the sisters were also known as Las Pocianchis. Las I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I forgot to look it up. I don't know what it means. But So, they grew up in Mexico. Um... They grew up in a small town in, I think it's Jalisco, Jalisco, however you say it. And then they ended up moving to Guanajuato, which is just north of Mexico City, if anybody was wondering. Mm. So between 1945 and 1964, the sisters ran what was called Rancho El Angel. Angel's it, Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish with Mariah. <laughs> I know that one. So, this was, like, their main business. So, basically, what happened is when they grew up and they started their own businesses, they actually at first started, um, like, ranches and saloons, and then they switched them all to brothels. Huh. Yep. So, this is their main little brothel location. Business women. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't want to go into business with them. No, no, not at all. So, Rancho El Angel actually was the site of the murder of at least 91 people. 91? Yes. So, Holy 91 fuck. confirmed. There were 80 girls, 11 men, and an unknown number of unborn fetuses. Wow. Slash children. So, well Babies. over 91. They're actually believed to have killed between 150 and 200 people. Jeez. And I'm assuming that the girls are, like, they're, like, quote, workers, more, like, sex-trafficked individuals. They are. Yeah, that's fucked. Mm-hmm. So they are, the Guinness Book of World Records actually labeled them as the, quote, most prolific murder partnership. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know the Guinness World Records was that morbid. Uh, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay. So, I'm going to go back to the girls for a second. The oldest, Marina Delfina, was actually 56 years old at the time of her arrest. She actually ended up dying in prison due to a construction accident. And one yeah. of the reports said that um, the cell above hers was being, like, worked on. And there was a hole, I guess, in the ceiling. And a worker was trying to, like, look at her and accidentally dropped a bucket of cement on her head. Oh, accidentally. <laughs> I mean, not, I'm not all that mad about it. <laughs> so it just, like, cemented over her mouth that she suffocated or what? Or was it, like, so hard it, like... It was probably too heavy and it just instantly killed her. That's... You get hit in the head with a bucket of cement, you're not coming back. I mean, that's, like, kind of awesome, but, you know, <laughs> not. <laughs> she's guilty, okay? You know what? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a horrible person. So Maria del Carmen, the second oldest, actually died in jail... Or died due to cancer. Maria Luisa um, went mad out of fear of being killed by angry protesters. You should be scared, bitch. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> and then the youngest one was 39 years old at the time of her arrest. And she was actually, she served her sentence and was released from prison. And then dropped off the radar. Released? Yes. You don't so, deserve to re be released after that. And you know... I'm saying that as a very liberal white woman who doesn't believe in imprisoning people. You well, shouldn't be released. That's how bad it let's is. Let's just keep in mind we're in Mexico in yeah, the, I guess their laws the are 60s. A little looser. So, 
The oldest and the youngest are the two that were tied to the murders, and the middle two were imprisoned because of, like, the prostitution ring. Yeah. And other As you like should that. be. So we're going to go back a little further and talk about their parents. Well, really, their father. So when they grew up, their father was Isidro Torres. Um, he was not a nice person. He raised the girls in an abusive household, and he instilled a fear of poverty. They were so terrified of being poor. Which is why they started their businesses as soon as they could, and then it changed into prostitution. Wow. He, their father was actually a policeman or a sheriff um, in the small town where they used to live. And he would actually lock his daughters in the town jail if they did anything he didn't like, such as wearing makeup. What? Or talking to boys. Oh my gosh. He, yes. It's rumored that he shot and killed a man during an argument. <laughs> Oh Wait, there's one more. I wish you guys could see my face because my eyes <laughs> yeah. are like saucers. They're bulging out. <laughs> there's also a report that states that the father forced the girls to watch executions of prisoners. Oh, that's fucked up. Uh, yeah. That's very... I've then, seen Game yeah. of Thrones. It doesn't end well. No. <laughs> Okay, wait, hold on. I have to say something. I may have already said this, but here in Colorado, um, there's a lot of prisons, okay? I didn't know this, but there's a lot of prisons, and we went down to Cannon City, and they had a mm. prison museum, and they had a used gas chamber. Used. And they, like, on the wall, it was detailing what prisoners were executed, and they were like, yeah, you guys can sit at it, and I was like, no. I gotta get the fuck out of here. I, I was gassed in the army. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know how the Holocaust ended. I don't want it. Used. I was like, oh, and you know, at first I was like, oh, this is just like a replica, but it makes it very clear. This is a used gas This is chamber. the actual one yeah. where we murdered a lot of people. These ones were executed. By said, choking oh, them shit. on chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> good job. I was like, ah, gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so their mother, there's not a whole lot about her, but she was a devout Catholic, and she supported her husband in every single thing that he did. She loved what he was doing. Wow. Loved it. Huh. I didn't know Catholicism teach, you know, it putting your children in jail and Well, she people. likes a strong husband, so. <laughs> yeah. He's strong, all right. And that's about, uh, that's about it for the family. I don't, I don't know. So this is how they grew up. So yeah. no shit, they killed people when they got older. Yeah, I feel very bad for their young selves. Zero sympathy for the mm. sex ring leaders, murderers. And yeah. like, if you just ran a brothel because it was a way to make really good money, it, that would be one thing, you know, because you're scared yeah. of being poor, which I, I can understand that. But you kind of, you turned it from a brothel into prostitution sex trafficking, so. Yeah. So they recruited young women as maids by help wanted ads, and then the applicants were actually just forced into prostitution at that point. So if you even applied for this job, you it was over. Wow. And I mean, obviously they were hiring like every young girl. Mm-hmm. And the girls were between 12 and 15 years old. That's, oh, that's really fucked up. That's so young. Mm-hmm. 12 and 15. So, and they had like these, these like, I don't want to call them promotions, but, like, promotions, they would sell the girls' virginity. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, because I'm glad the semen was dropped on that pay page. More. <laughs> God. Yeah, people would pay more for that shit because they are twisted. Because they're monsters. Which is why, okay, another tangent, but when men are, like, when they date these young girls and they're like, oh, she's 18, so it's legal. I'm like, w w hold up. So if the legal age was 10, would you be dating them you're, still? You're just, like, you sound like a pedo, dude. Well, it's because they are. Yeah. No, yeah, no doubt. They are. Like, there is something wrong with the way that you're thinking. You're literally only trying to legally get away with raping. Raping a child, yeah. And arguably 18 is still a child. But yeah, when, like, grown-ass men say, well, it's fine. She's legal. She's 18. It gives me, like, run the fuck away from those men. There's a reason why women their age don't want to be with them. Well, yeah, it's because they're weird. It's not because they're rich and famous. It's because no. they're pedos, uh, honey. No. Yeah, and, and if they are rich and famous, then they're probably buying girls. Yeah, and 18-year-olds, I'm sorry, you don't have the best judgment 18. I was there. I didn't have the best judgment. 
But don't date that 50-year-old, honey. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Don't do it. We can find you a nice person. Yeah, a nice 18-year-old boy. Or Someone girl. your age. Yeah, or a girl. Or, or non-binary. Whoa, yeah. we said it at the same time. Look at that. <laughs> We're good. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I mean, like, date whoever you want if you really want to date a 50-year-old, but, like, Check the just, priorities, girl. That, well, boy. just, it, you just gotta look at their morality. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. Date whoever you want, but just, like, make sure they have a good moral character. <laughs> that's it. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only, uh, PSA uh, boundary. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, these girls were locked up. Um, some of them would be raped by, like, staff and or maybe, like, the sister's boyfriends or whatever. I don't know. Um, and then after that, they would be made to take ice cold baths. Then they would have to serve food and drinks to customers. And then they would start their prostitution. Wow. No. That's a day's work. That's Ugh. a lot. Um, so here's the other thing, like. Some of the sisters tried to be creative and, like, make their own jewelry and a bunch of other, like, dumb shit. So, they would actually not only force these girls to work for them, sell their virginity, rape them, like, treat them like shit. They would also force them to buy things that they made, but, like, would make the price more than what they paid them. So, that so they were like, constantly indebted. Yeah. Wow. I mean, smart business plan, but, like, slavery, bro. 100%. Okay, so if the girls became pregnant, they were forced to have miscarriages by being beaten. Holy fuck. Um, some of the girls would starve themselves so that they wouldn't show when they were pregnant, but when they had the baby, the girls would kill the baby and then torture those who, like, rebelled against them. Yeah, your case is worse than mine, girl. You oh, said yeah. You hated my it's case. in the Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records. <laughs> they would also tell the other girls that they were prostituting to join in on the torture and told them that if they did join in, that nothing would happen to them. Huh. Yeah, so this is just like a bunch of mind fuckery over here. Mm hmm. Um, if the girls got STDs, then they would also be tortured, beaten, starved. What the fuck? It's not... Uh, uh. <laughs> Somebody help me. Um, at the age of 25, the girls were considered old. And then they were taken off-site to a different ranch where they were locked up and starved for several days. Hmm. 25 is too old, apparently. I'm almost 25. Like, I don't know. So, this this should tell you the kind of clientele that they're, they're yeah. supporting. Yeah, obviously. 12 to 15-year-olds being recruited, and when they hit 25, these guys don't want to have sex with them anymore. Like, they're kidding. Pedos. Yeah. Yeah, you're, obviously your clientele is pedos. Yeah. That's pedophiles, for anyone wondering. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that educational lesson. <laughs> when they essentially kidnap these girls because that's exactly what they're doing they would force feed them heroin or cocaine wow oh, i mean which is a way like, to keep it's them... a very common tactic yeah it's a way to control them <sighs> and then if like you can physically control them because i mean if you're high like you're not really gonna yeah. be trying to escape i mean maybe but then it's also also another tactic because now they're addicted so you can mentally control them by saying, yeah. if you stay, I'm going to give you more of the stuff that you need. And when you do bad, I take it. Yeah. And they pretty much let them have all of this shit. And when they start having withdrawals, they start controlling them. God, my stomach hurts. I'm just like grossed out by this. <laughs> You're so welcome for this one. Ugh. Like, don't sex traffic. Don't kidnap. Don't take girls between 12 and 15. Don't be a pedophile. Figure out your moral compass, because this is not it. Most important. That's the most important PSA for today. Don't run a pedophile compass. ring, bro. Don't don't run a prostitution ring at all. <sighs> where you force the girls into this shit. Mm-hmm. Or, or guys. Are there guy prostitution rings? I'm sure. That's a good question. I don't really want to search male prostitution rings, but I'm sure that there are. Put R there, male prostitution rings. 
and then add for educational purposes at the end <laughs> so that when the NSA looks at it, they can go, oh, okay. Oh, educational purposes. Cool, cool. Got it. <laughs> right, it's like right below my murder or my search of family annihilation cases for educational purposes. Just for purposes. educational purposes. <laughs> oh, okay. She's not a psycho. She's yeah, fine. She's fine. <laughs> Okay, so there's also um, reports or rumors or whatever that the sisters actually killed some of their patrons who showed up with a lot of cash. Yeah, oh yeah. When I told Travis this, he was like, that's really stupid. Why wouldn't you just have them keep coming and funneling money? Why would you just kill them once? <laughs> I was like, oh, They don't think ahead. That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like, you know foresight it's just oh money shoot him like not surprised at all yeah so there's that and i mean i believe it oh yeah um they some of their patrons were said to be like political figures and police officers of course. and they were also rumored to have bribed those people obviously because yeah. they're coming to this prostitution ring again zero surprise one girl named Josefina Gutierrez was picked up by the police on suspicion of kidnapping, so I guess she helped them kidnap girls. Oh. Mm. I don't know why. Um, so then this girl implicated the Gonzalez Valenzuela sisters. So that was one thing that threw suspicion on them. And then another was a girl by the name of Catalina Ortega arrived at a local police station on January in January of 1964 with signs of being beaten and malnourished. Ugh. So Catalina actually escaped this prostitution ring through a hole in the wall, ran back home to her mother, who then escorted her to the police station. The police then filed for a search warrant where upon entry of this location they found dozens of malnourished and dirty girls. I guess these guys really don't care. No, yeah. Like, they just don't care if these girls are clean or not. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're there for nice, clean girls. Children. Yes. Yeah. Um, the girls also pointed to different spots to the officers where they would later uncover the bodies of 91 men, women, and unborn children. Oh, my God. Ooh, so that's they just where buried you get... them on site? Yeah. Holy shit. So that's where you shit. get the 80 women or girls the 11 men, and then no number for the unborn children. Holy I'm sure there moly. were tons. Yeah. I'm sure there were at least 80. Ugh. Or at least half of the 80 girls, you know. So yeah. probably in the at least double digits for these unborn children. No doubt, yeah. Okay, Maria Delfina and Maria de Jesus were both convicted of killing 80 girls and each given the maximum prison sentence... In Mexico, at the time, I'm not sure if it's changed, of 40 years. That, what? They were That's charged it? with kidnapping, human trafficking, and aggravated homicide. 40 years each. Whoa. I'm not familiar with their criminal justice system, so. Yeah, I'm not either. But that's um, outrageous. I know that it's definitely not like ours. And there's a ton of corruption, or at least there was yeah. maybe trying to be reformed at this time. I'm not sure, but yeah. 40 years for kidnapping, human trafficking, and aggravated homicide. Wow. Yeah, that... No, I don't no, think... No. I think it should be upgraded. I don't think it should be aggravated homicide. I think it should be first-degree murder. Yeah. That's but, um, disappointing. Yeah. Is one word. And so... Maria Delfina was 56 when she was arrested. Maria de Jesus was 39 when she was arrested. So, and the younger one served her time and got out, remember? Yeah, they, yeah, that's not enough time if they're likely going to live. Not enough time. I think time. kidnapping 40 years alone, human trafficking 40 years alone, yeah. or aggravated homicide 40 years alone. Like, add them together, you should have got life sentences. Yeah, no, you should have got a life sentence for every single person that you killed, so it should have been 80 life sentences. 91. Don't 91 forget the men. Don't sentences. forget the men. Yeah. And they didn't even count the babies. Yeah, that's messed up. So. Yeah, no comment. I don't know their justice system, but I know that that's fucked. That's what I do. <laughs> that is definitely fucked. <laughs> 
19 other members of the prostitution ring were also jailed, including the other two Gonzalez Valenzuela sisters. But we all know that... One of them got out. The second youngest went mad, and the other one died of cancer. So, I mean, obviously they're all dead now. Yeah. This is in the 60s, so... That is the case of the most prolific murder partnership. Ew. And the girls from Mexico. Yeah, yeah yours is uh, pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that girls can, or females can push other, like, young girls into prostitution and inflict that much pain and damage on them, that should tell you something right there. Yeah. Yeah, they should have had a lot longer time in prison than they did, but... Mm-hmm. So, anyway, if you guys feel like you need therapy like us, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, yeah, and another important note, I'm going to throw this out there, if you need to call this for whatever reason, human trafficking is a giant, giant problem everywhere. Yeah. Everyone's problem, too. Not just poor people, not rich people, everyone should care. National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888, or you can text 233-733. You can either text HELP or INFO. It's open 24-7. English, Spanish, 200 more languages. So we'll put that in our little descriptor. Mm-hmm. And then the website is http colon slash slash human trafficking hotline dot org and that'll all be in the show notes again like kayla said yes so thank you for sticking around with this trash bag of an episode yeah <laughs> this is almost <laughs> as bad as whatever that the episode it's, that annihilated our feelings yeah we both this is a this is a downer again this is a heavy one <laughs> we and should. next week is what hitchhiking crimes Hitchhiking crimes, yeah. And I, mine, just for a little teaser, is um, unsolved, and mine will be even more of a downer, so... Oh, shit. Okay, let's choose a happy um, one, if there is a happy one. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so mine, I already have, it is the happy face killer. So, there's the, a happy word in there. Oh, yeah. Take, <laughs> I feel take like it's not going to be happy, but... <laughs> take the wins. So, again, all of our contact information, you can hit us up on Insta, send us a voice message, email, whatever. We're so excited to have you here listening to us. We really want to grow our fan base, so please rate and like this podcast, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your kids. (laughs) Tell your mom. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. We hope you come back next week. And we'll see you next week, podcast horse. Goodbye. Bye.